Welcome to episode 25 of the Running on Ohm podcast. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I'm excited to have Jessica Gumkowski, triathlete, yoga teacher, and massage therapist on the podcast. Jessica has been involved in triathlon since 2004 and is currently training for her third Ironman, Lake Placid, in July 2014. She's a lifelong yoga practitioner and now teaches at Newport Power Yoga. Jessica studied massage therapy at the Boulder College of Massage and specializes in orthopedic and sports massage. In this episode, we discuss Jessica's yoga and triathlon backgrounds, exploring the challenges she faced when encountering both disciplines. She shares her experiences on the power of meditating while racing triathlons. Jessica reveals how she balances her schedule by slowing down. Lastly, Jessica gives listeners the inside scoop on our plant-based nutrition, recovery regimen, and what races are ahead for 2014. I hope you enjoy the show. Oh. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. What came first for you, yoga or triathlon? Yoga. Absolutely yoga. Um, it was 1996. I took my first yoga class in Newport, Rhode Island, and I believe that it was 2004 when I stood at my husband's second triathlon and said, I will never, ever, ever do a triathlon, ever. (laughs) I never say never anymore. (laughs) Wow. And from that first yoga class, was it a pretty immediate fit for you? How often did you start practicing and what style was that? The first class I went to was a Hatha yoga class and it was at my gym that I belonged to. And so in 1996, this girl was very type A. I was very stressed and scheduled and in control of everything, um, and I was getting tired. I was getting tired of that. I didn't, I didn't know why. I just thought that was the way you were supposed to live. And in New England, it's really easy um, to fall into that. And I went to this yoga class. I don't remember exactly why I walked into this class, but it was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. Yeah. And yeah, there weren't, there aren't too many goals that I've had in my life that I have not achieved with great success. So this hour yoga class was, it was, it was horrible. It was so hard. And I remember holding warrior two and thought I was going to die. And I'm staring at the yoga teacher. Like, when are you going to get me out of this pose? You know, I'm not in control of the situation. And, um, I'm sure my ego was in complete panic mode that I was going to start to open. Right. And, and maybe, um, see some of the that beautiful light that is uh, within each one of us. And um, yeah, I'll never forget that class and something brought me back. So over the years, I kept probably like a one day a week, really like a one day a week class um, over many, many years. And then just as I got older, I would kind of dip in a little bit more during different times of the year, do, you know, three classes a week or just do a heavy yoga block. But it just kind of started out with, you know, just once in a while. 
And then when was the transition to becoming a yoga teacher? So I started, you know, like I said, it just started to evolve. I was going to more and more classes and my entire life, I knew that I wanted to be in a profession where it sounds so cliche, but where I was helping people. And I remember, you know, sitting in doctor's offices, like as a kid being like, no, I don't want to be a doctor. No, I don't want to be a nurse. And I never really knew what it was. Um, And then it just started to evolve. I'm taking this yoga practice and I'm seeing huge changes, not only in my body, but just this, um, you know, uh, disarmoring of mm. my soul that life doesn't have to be so scheduled and controlled and stressed. So, um, I thought that the yoga teaching was something that I wanted to do. I thought this would be a great way for me to help people. Cause I knew how much it had helped me and, It was many years in the making and actually just became a yoga teacher last year after practicing for so many years. And I always just trusted that when the time was right, it would present itself. And it did just that um, in December of 2012. And um, so I took a training actually here in Newport and I've been teaching ever since. Beautiful. And so backing up to triathlon, to seeing your husband complete his second triathlon in 2004, when then did you join your husband in the pursuit of triathlons? Shortly thereafter, as a matter of fact. At that time, it was the summer of 2004, and I was in school in Boulder, Boulder, Colorado for massage. Um, So that is actually, that actually became my way of getting into that health and wellness and helping people. And that's been an amazing career. So I'm out there and I'm watching him. He's doing the Boulder Peak Triathlon, which is one of my favorite triathlons, funny enough, the one where I swore off that sport forever. And I thought, I want to work with these guys. You know, this, these are the kind of people I want to work with for massage. And just my, that type A personality, which hasn't gone away, it's just been softened. I thought, why? I know what's going on with them, you know, physiologically and from the books that I read and the work that I'm able to do on them, but I want to know firsthand. So during that summer, I was actually giving massage to my husband, practicing on him, and then I was practicing on his coach, who had never received massage, and they were seeing benefits. So I just asked his coach, I said, hey, there's a sprint triathlon in Fort Collins in September, and I kind of just want to see what you guys go through. I want to feel it firsthand so that I'll have a better grasp on the work that I'm able to provide. So he trained me, and I completed the race. It was a sprint race. It was a pool swim, and um, yeah, the rest is history. (laughs) And out of the three sports, which one do you gravitate the most towards? Swimming. Absolutely swimming. It's the one that I work least at, and um, and I prefer it that way because for me to get into the water is very meditative, and to just um, hear. I love to hear the water as I'm as my arms are kind of going in and out of it, and I love to hear my breath. And it's a place where nobody can get me. 
the phone's not going to ring. Nobody's going to interrupt me. And just as a Pisces, I live to be in the water. When I was little growing up by the ocean, they couldn't get me out of the water. So I never had any fear of it. And it's just, it feels very comfortable for me to be in the water. Beautiful. I know you've finished Iron Man two times, and I'm curious as to whether you've had any yoga moments during a triathlon. <laughs> yes, I have had some yoga moments. Um, the first, the first Iron Man I did was in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, in 2008, and. As they say, especially with Iron Man, ignorance is bliss. You just don't know what you're getting yourself into. And although I was practicing yoga at the time, and at that point I was, you know, steady two times, two to three times a week, I wasn't practicing meditation. And as you know, that is one of the limbs of yoga. And that changed for me when I moved back east after many years, probably the better part of a decade, of um, people telling me that I should meditate. You should meditate. You should meditate. I wasn't ready to meditate. And I moved back to New England in 2010, and it became very clear very quickly that I better start meditating. And um, I found a meditation teacher here in Newport, Rhode Island. And so for those years prepping for Ironman Lake Placid 2012, I was very heavy into my yoga practice and my meditation practice. So I went into Ironman, Ironman Lake Placid with the goal in mind that that entire day was going to be nothing less than a meditation for me. And it was. And it doesn't mean that it wasn't challenging um, or painful or blissful or amazing. It was just my goal was to make it a meditation, to stay neutral, to limit the highs and the lows, to witness what was happening as opposed to diving into the drama of it and feeding the pain. Um, and I would say that it was a pretty amazing experience. Um, and certainly I am looking forward to going back to Lake Placid this year. And my meditation teacher has tasked me with racing this race in a state of ohm. So we'll have to see how that works out. <laughs> So you won't just be running on OM, you'll be doing triathlon on OM. Yes, yes, that's the plan. Just, I mean, really getting into um, a state where I am in complete alignment with the universal vibration of OM. What does OM mean to you? For a yoga student who doesn't understand what OM is other than just two letters, how would you explain that to them? That is a great question, um, one that I've never been asked, and the answer that comes to my mind is that OM is the divine connection to the universe, that it is a state of complete peace, quiet, non-judgment, non-violence, Exactly the way that the universe 
works. It's the closer that we can get to this ohm, which is within each one of us, the closer we are to everyone in this world, the closer we are to the universal plan and our divine path in this journey. In the upcoming triathlon for Lake Placid, how has your your training been different for it? Because this is your third time around, what have you learned and what has shifted? Well, I am keeping up a yoga practice of three times a week. I practice and teach at a studio here in Newport. And it is um, the style that I teach is, you know, uh, Baptiste-based. It's a power yoga. They're heated classes. And I'm keeping up a steady practice of three times a week. So anywhere, the classes are anywhere between an hour and an hour, 15 minutes. Um, My meditations have increased, whereas when I went into Lake Placid last time, I was meditating 20 minutes a day. Now I'm meditating 40 minutes a day, and then I do an hour on the weekend. And the biggest thing I think that has shifted for me is that triathlon allows me to practice yoga, whereas before, yoga allowed me to be a better triathlete. So the, the, the sacrifice and everything that's involved with training for an Ironman is a constant reminder to me of my inner grace and how can I live that. I've worked with coaches before in the past, and that's been fabulous to get me to the goal, um, to get my body to the goal of being able to race an Ironman. But I've heard some coaches in the past um, say to me that yoga will have to be the first thing to go when the training gets, you know, when the, when the volume starts to get up. And that didn't resonate with me. So this time around, I'm taking information, tidbits of different plans that I've used in the past. I'm putting those together. I am quote unquote coachless and I am incorporating more yoga and meditation than I ever have before because I believe that through my practice, There's no doubt in my mind that I can get that physical to get there. But the biggest thing that my practice has taught me is just letting go and know that if I'm supposed to show up that day and be healthy, then I'm going to show up and be healthy. If I'm not supposed to make it to the starting line, there is nothing that I'm going to do that's going to get me there. So, and I love Iron Man because it's so big and you just never know what's going to happen. Um, so the more that I can just go with it and let go and trust, trust in the plan. Um, I believe that my journey will have less highs and lows, even though Lake Placid is a very hilly course. (laughs) Yeah. And you know. So you spoke earlier about how before yoga came into your life, there was this whole element of scheduling and being overscheduled. It sounds like you have a lot going on in your life right now currently. So how do you balance that while still maintaining a balance 
and feeling spontaneous and having that freedom in your schedule that it sounds like yoga has helped you taste? Well, the biggest thing that I've done is I have slowed down. I, um, I have a massage practice that I could probably be doing seven days a week and have as many clients as I wish, but I have cut my massage practice down to one day a week. I am making less money than I have ever made in my life, but somehow the bills just keep getting paid. So for me, it's that letting go and that trust. So when I wake up in the morning and I have a 40-minute meditation, an hour and 45-minute bike, a half an hour run, um, you know, maybe a yoga practice to do, bills to pay, taxes to prepare, um, I just let go and I trust that the important things will always get done. And so I've made space in my life to do the work that I need to do to get to Ironman. And I'm not saying that everyone just quit their jobs and the bills will get paid. That's, that's definitely not my message. My message is you have to make space to have space and to wake up in the morning and just, I've done this. I've woken up in the morning and then all of a sudden my mind is at 10 o'clock at night and I'm exhausted and all of these things have or have not gotten done. And I haven't even opened my eyes yet and gotten out of bed. So it's just slowing down and trusting that the important things will get done. And there's nothing that you're going to do to create more time in a day. So just breathe. And starting a day with meditation, for me, um, creates balance that I don't have to work at anymore. You said that you've studied in Newport with a specific meditation teacher. Do you the style of meditation that you practice, is it from a specific lineage? And how have you been able to harness that on your own without your teacher outside of that classroom? Well, the thing that, um, you know, I'm, I'm the daughter of a Marine. Okay. So discipline is like my middle name. I mean, my dad taught me the definition of hard work and discipline. And, you know, if you want something, you got to figure out how to get it. Um, so my meditation teacher loves that because he says that, you know, these type A people, when they turn to meditation, the great thing about them is that they have the discipline to get it done. So as far as the style of meditation we practice, you know, I practice a silent meditation. And when I first started working with him, I was working with some, you know, doing mantras. And I really feel like that helped me get my focus. Um, But now I'm at a point where I can go into a silent meditation for 40 minutes or an hour. And we meet two times a week. And, um, he gives me homework. Um, he just always meets me exactly where I am. And I know that I know a lot of people that go and see him and we all kind of go and see him for a different reason. So he has this ability to just meet people where they are. And so whatever he provides for me, he always has something that we talk about before. And then we do some pranayama exercises and then we go into a silent meditation. But I always make sure that I see him the week of a race. 
And it's really funny because my husband will have a conversation with his coach about a race strategy because a lot of times we'll do the same races and I'll have a conversation about um, a race strategy with my meditation teacher. And then we come <laughs> home and then he says, well, I talked to my coach about my race strategy. I said, well, I actually had a conversation with my coach about my race strategy today. And then we share that. So uh, it's, it's pretty funny how it works, but I am just a really disciplined person. So when I say I'm going to meditate every day, I'm going to meditate every day. I'm going to do my darndest. But like I said, the important things always get done. So I'm, I'm not perfect. And some days I'll miss a day and it's just something that Ironman training has taught me is just if you miss a day, you've missed a day. Leave it be. Let it go. Because there's another one coming. If all goes well, there's another one coming tomorrow. Definitely. Other than your meditation teacher, who would you consider a really big mentor for you or another teacher in your life, whether it's someone from the triathlon, yoga, or outside of those worlds? You know, um, I would have to say my, my instructor who I went through training with um, I went to his class for the first time <clears throat> on my birthday. It was my 38th birthday. I had just moved here and I went to his class and it was, um, it was a power yoga class. It was a heated class, but it was different. He didn't use any Sanskrit terms. He didn't say vague things about lifting my heart to the stars. He said, jump to the top of your freaking mat. He said, get down. Don't be reluctant, bridge girl. Get up, you know, and breathe. His practice was all about breath, breath, breath. And it was, a very, it was very different. And he was edgy. And sometimes he swore. And I just liked it. And I really connected with his intensity. Um... And I started going to his classes, and he, uh, his name is Philip Urso, and his program is Live, Love, Teach. And it's all about teaching with authenticity and not from a script or a routine um, or trying to be somebody that you're not. When we were in training, he just always kept saying, whatever you do when you go out there in the world, don't sound like a yoga teacher. Don't say things that people aren't going to understand. You know, just speak normally. Be yourself. Teach from your heart and not from a place of fear. Um, and that was huge for me. I just, I loved his style. And um, he's somebody that I am so lucky lives in my town. So I practice, try and practice with him as often as I can. And um, yeah, the experience that I've had with with Philip and through the train, the training has been absolutely life changing. I mean, my ego has gone through the paper shredder and I'm a much better person for it. That's beautiful. As well as doing yoga on a regular basis, teaching triathlon, these things do take a toll on your body. So talk to me a little bit about your rest and recovery, your nutrition. I know you consider yourself plant-based. What does that mean to you? So plant-based, um, I think is just a little bit more of a gentle word than vegan. Um, I primarily 
I, I don't primarily, I only eat, um, plants and fruits, whole foods. I try and stay away from anything processed and I don't eat anything that, um, any animal products. So no eggs, no dairy, no fish, uh, meat, chicken, anything like that. I don't eat any of it. Um, I can tell you that it's been an evolution my entire life. Most of my life I was vegetarian. I would always just kind of eat with what my body wanted. And there was times when I was a teenager where, you know, I was vegetarian for five years, eight years on and off of meat. And then sometimes I would just wake up and say, I need a steak. Like I need flank steak. It was always very specific. I need flank steak. And, um, and I would do that and I would, then I would go back and eat meat. And I guess, gosh, I guess it's almost been a couple years that, um, both my husband and I have been plant-based. So getting rid of the meat wasn't the problem for me because I had been vegetarian for most of my life. But um, the dairy, I am an ex-cheesaholic. I would talk to people about how great they felt not eating dairy and I'd be, ugh, I don't want to hear it. Like, I'm not giving up my dairy. Are you crazy? And um, that made the biggest difference in my life. I immediately I mean, I'm a petite girl anyway, and um, I just immediately dropped like 10 pounds. My meditations got more clear. I was lifting, um, this sounds a little yoga teacher-like, but I was lifting these deep energetic layers of just nastiness out of my body. And I thought, I feel the best I've ever felt. And, you know, this I'm 40 years old at this point. So, um, nutrition to me, I've always been a healthy eater. My mom always stocked the house with whole wheat bread and we never had junk food. We'd beg for devil dogs and she'd just shake her head like, wait, I'm not going to buy you a devil dog. Are you crazy? So, um, healthy eating has always been something that thank goodness was a part of my life, but I've never felt so good on this type of diet. So I have no plans of changing it. And But if I was to wake up tomorrow and I needed to eat a piece of meat, I would go find um, the most consciously harvested piece of meat that I could find and I would prepare it and I would probably say a blessing and an offering and I would eat it. But that's not the case right now. My body doesn't want it. So nutrition, huge. It's, It's huge on my list. But also, I receive a lot of massage. I've um, right now, I because I'm doing so much yoga, I don't feel like I need it as much. I do it every other week, but for the better part of a decade, I was getting massage every week. Um, I do acupuncture, so um, big believer in holistic medicine, which is a whole story on its own. But um, and then self care. I'm on my foam roller pretty much every day, even if it's for 30 seconds. I'm constantly grabbing the doorway and opening up my chest muscles and taking a breath and opening up my heart, um, stretching every chance I get. I ice, I heat. I mean, I'm a self-care junkie. So that's, um, that's really how I believe I'm able to do this. Good nutrition, massage, acupuncture, and, um, self-care, which doesn't cost a thing. How do you fit sleep, a good night of sleep, into your busy life? 
Uh, we go to bed pretty early. I'm a great sleeper. I always have been. Uh, and, you know, meditation has given me such a quiet mind. If anybody has a busy mind, they need to sit and be quiet because that will clear it out for you. But I'm a good sleeper. So I get about, I'm really good on eight hours. But with Ironman training, especially since my husband is training for the same race right now, um, things are pretty busy, but we just stay calm and get as much rest as we can. So I do a lot of napping and, um, right now I'm probably averaging about seven hours a night and then I nap whenever I can, um, whether it's 10 minutes or it's 45 minutes when I have the time, I, um, I'll nap as long as I can, but in order to have the time to nap and rest, like I was saying earlier, I've made space. So we are in complete social retirement. I mean, bless our friends, those dear souls, because they know that when we go into this, they're just not going to see us. Like nobody's really going to see us until about August. So we just kind of hang tight in our little bubble over here and we get as much rest and eat as many plants and foam roll as much as we possibly can. The morning of Ironman Lake Placid, what are you going to eat for breakfast? I will eat, um, this has, this was a breakfast that I got, um, I did a fueling plan with the core diet, which is, um, just a a company actually they're based in, um, Massachusetts, but this has been by far the best pre-race meal I've ever had. And it's applesauce. So for Ironman, for me, for my size, it'll probably be about a cup and a half of organic applesauce. It'll be one scoop of vanilla vega, which is um, a plant-based protein powder, and a banana. And it's I eat it three hours before the start of the race, and then 15 minutes before the race, I'll take a gel, which I'm trying to get away from that stuff, but I haven't quite figured that out yet. But that's the plan right now, and um, it really, it's so easy on my belly, and it just, it gets absorbed really nicely. It's good sugars, and um, yeah, it's worked really well, so I have no plans of changing it. Very cool. What other than Ironman Lake Placid are you excited about for 2014? Um, Well, I'm doing the New Bedford Half Marathon in a week from Sunday, which I'm really excited about, and um, I'll be running this race. This will be my second race where I'm going to no heart rate, no watch, no idea how fast I'm going. I'm just going to go out, hopefully tune into that universal ohm, and um, race as hard as I can and see what that looks like with just total love and acceptance, not get caught up with the time. Um, After that, I've got Uh, A 10-miler in April, the Newport 10-miler, which goes along Ocean Drive in Newport, Rhode Island, which is so breathtaking. Mm. It's gorgeous. And then um, I'll be doing the Patriot Half Iron Distance in June as a tune-up for Lake Placid. And then um, Lake Placid, of course. And then we're going to do a later season 70.3. I'm not, we're debating between two. Um, Timberman, which is up in Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire, which I've done twice. And I absolutely love that course. But we're also thinking about doing um, 
uh, Augusta, Georgia, which is in September, which I hear is an amazing half Ironman distance. So um, whatever one of those will be the one that I'm supposed to do. And uh, I'm just excited. But it's, you know, it's funny. I'm, it's really building the excitement. And so I constantly just feel myself coming back and being like, okay, you're just, you're here right now. You know, you're sitting in the chair and you're talking with Julia and you're just in this moment. Mm, you have lots of good ahead. I'm really excited to see what happens. Oh, we'll see. I don't know. It could be a train wreck, but it's, that's all right, too. <laughs> <laughs> so to close up our interview, I have a few either or questions. Okay. Apples or oranges? Apples. Absolutely. Early bird or night owl? Oh, early bird. When the sun goes down, I go down. Yeah. Smoothies or juices? Smoothies, just because we gave our juicer away. Mountains or oceans? Oh, ocean. That's so easy for me. Ocean, ocean, ocean. That is my, that's my second spiritual teacher. Good luck on all your racing this upcoming year, Jessica. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julia. Take good care. It's been such an honor. Oh, thanks for listening to episode 25 of the Running on Ohm podcast with Jessica Gumkowski, triathlete, yoga teacher, and massage therapist. Check out runningonohm.com for links to Jessica's sites. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.